got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of a defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Oh, and he was absolutely knocked back into that tweet by Atwood. David Atwood has got titanium in his shoulders at the moment. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. We are back and we nearly have some Premiership rugby to talk about. Just one more week to wait before Bath are back in action against Newcastle. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined in studio by Charlie. Hello everybody. And down the line we are joined by fellow Bath fan Tom. Tom, how are you? Hi boys, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. And and just before we kick off, firstly, uh, a couple of apologies. Uh, the first apology was um, apologies for the, the for last week's podcast and, and the sound quality being not up to where we normally are. A couple of beers down the wreck would probably explain that. Yeah, note to self: don't record uh, after <laughs> after about six or seven points. And secondly, apologies for for coming to you a day later than than we normally do. But the reason for this, um, and and good thing, do come to those who wait. And the reason for this is me and Charlie have been to Farley House this week, and we're joined by special guest Tom Dunn. So we're going to talk. We're going to listen to that interview later on in the podcast. Also talk about the upcoming Newcastle game and a couple of bits of other Bath rugby news surrounding two high profile back rowers at the club but firstly guys all three of us were were at Twickenham on Sunday to see England's demolition of France uh, Charlie how did you uh, how did you find your your weekend yeah it was it, it was it was a fantastic weekend actually wasn't it uh, the game really lived up to it um, you know almost 50 points put on the French it's it's no real better feeling is there I mean, for me personally the only other team I like to be more than the French is the Welsh uh, but we'll have to look forward to that in two weeks time I think but uh, just, just just fantastic kicking display I thought you know mm. Farrell looked phenomenal obviously Johnny May three tries uh, before half time uh, yeah and just the ability to exploit that that French back three was just phenomenal um, there was so much space and we, we took all of it and also again that that English defence was you know mm. it was just like a brick wall wasn't it sell out at Twickenham Tom how did the, the match day experience compare to, to that of the wreck uh, well there are a fair few more in uh, probably about <laughs> 67,000 more people than, than there are normally in the wreck um but obviously the atmosphere at Twickenham doesn't compare anything like to uh, the greatest rugby ground in, in, in the world, and, and that is the wreck. Um, but no, all, in all seriousness, it was, it, it was a great atmosphere. Um, I think, you know, the French, as you said, Charlie, did roll over fairly quickly um, and continued to let um, England exploit um, the wide open spaces that they were in behind in behind the wings. But um, yeah, unfortunately, no, no Bath players um, in the 23. Um, and England did what Bath have been unable to do um, for this season and seasons gone by, um, and that is be utterly ruthless in attack, mm. yet again scoring um, very early on, um, and, and to be honest, putting the game um, out of reach uh, and to bed uh, very early on in the first half. Yeah. I, I just wanted to highlight though one player for the French, and I spoke about him 
when we went uh, went, went down to Toulouse and I spoke about him after the game and said we were likely to see him in the nine shirt he came off the bench but Antoine Dupont what a phenomenal performance mm. in a losing side he looked he looked about the only you know, the only shining light in in an absolute dump for the French team to be honest yeah I think we were all very impressed with him when when we when we went down to Toulouse as you say Charlie and on the standouts for England I think I think once again probably uh, slightly unfortunately with with my bath hat on the standouts were uh, the I, I think Johnny May again uh, Slade had another solid performance uh, and Tom Curry again and these are the these are the positions in which the bath players are are looking to come back in so uh, competition for places in that England in that England squad are huge at the moment and when the bath guys do eventually come back from injury uh, touch with that that sooner rather than later they're going to have a real fight on their hands to to make that England squad and that that's only going to make their performances stronger when they are in a Bath shirt, given the, the competition for places uh, in, in the England squad. Certainly, yeah. certainly. Yeah, so, so moving on from, from um, the, the uh, England win against uh, France on Sunday, uh, and, and a couple of bits of, of, of news surrounding two Bath players, two international Bath players, back rowers uh, in Tulupi Falatao and Francois Lowe. Uh, the first one, uh, very... Uh, Disappointing news surrounding Tulupe Falatao. It was uh, revealed uh, today, Tuesday, as we record, that uh, Falatao will require further surgery on on the broken arm that he sustained uh, against Exeter uh, all the way back in October. Um, that was uh, his fifth game of this season. He did come back um, against Wasps in the in the Champions Cup dead rubber game uh, and aggravated the injury. And now he requires further surgery, which appears to, to rule him out for, for what looks to be the, the rest of the season, Charlie. Uh, this is uh, very disappointing news for, for Bath and for Wales. Yeah, certainly. He's, he's one of our highest paid players and everyone knows what he can do when, he's, uh, when he gets onto that pitch and he's fully firing and fit. Uh, so it's going to be a massive shame. And Bath are really starting to struggle now in that back row. It was a, it's a position that from the start of the season, we've said we've got such a strength and depth. And it's, uh, it, it's, it's one of Bath's actual full and strengths. But now Underhill's out. Uh, we're missing Ellis. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Falatao's just gone down. Um, Garvey else, as well. Yeah, Garvey's gone for a long mm. time. And, and um, Bayless is touch and go for the weekend Bayless, as exactly. well. So, so it's, it, there's, there's a lot of players who are out. And certainly that those starting three that uh, we'd probably be likely to see. Mm. Um, Tom, but, thoughts on the... Sorry, Charlie, but Tom, thoughts on the, the uh, Falatao injury? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge shame. We know um, what a fantastic player he is. I was at the... Um, the, the, the dead rubber match against Wasps in the Champions Cup that you mentioned and it was a little bit um, like men against boys at the time uh, at times when he got the ball so hugely disappointing news but um, I guess looking on the bright side Josh Bayliss um, you mentioned there Charlie he's been um, one of the standout players I think coming through uh, for Bath this season and he was um, this week indeed nominated um, uh, sort of for one of the nominees of the Premiership Rugby Cup breakthrough player of the year alongside mm. some some very good players from all across the country so um yeah I, I guess congratulations to him for that um hopefully that gives him um another boost uh, to his confidence and hopefully we'll see um, more of him um as, as we will do with these injuries charlie that, that, that you mentioned in a first team in a first team shirt this season yeah, exactly although he is one of the players who's who's, who's a slight mm. doubt for the weekend so fingers crossed yeah. that he does remain yeah. fit but what I just wanted to say, Gabriel, we, we were up at Farley House literally as the news was breaking. Um, uh, we bumped into some of the team up there who, uh, who informed us. Uh, and one of the words that, that, that this, this chap used was, it's not going to be career threatening, which does 
you know, it, it does does put a bit of worry in your mouth when someone uses those words. Obviously, this is this well you know, the third setback that he's had on the same injury, and it, it it does worry you when you when you hear you know words like that being used and you know, those sorts of descriptions about injuries because it it immediately makes you think oh. that's obviously something that's been discussed. So I think they're taking extra precautionary measures measures to really nail this injury you know on the head be done away with it and uh, look forward to next season but it's a shame he's, as I say he's one of our highest played players and he's only managed to get out on the pitch you know a handful of times uh, and it's not great value for money is it when uh, he's being no. paid about 100 grand a game probably <laughs> although Charlie like you know you mentioned that he may not play again this season according to the injury report I've seen um, he'd only probably be able to play for Bath again if we made it um, to the Premiership playoffs so I guess at least he'll get a couple of games at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I think optimistically, touch with he'll, he'll be back uh, in the playoffs um, come the end of the season. And I think on, on what you mentioned there about the, the career-threatening uh, nature of, of the injury, he's, he's 28 now, uh, Tulipi Falatau, which, you know, he's by no means at the end of his career, um, sort of coming into what should be the, the peak of his career as a forward, I think. Um, and I, I think on that Charlie I, I think they just want to get it right and, and, and take the time this season to make sure he is 100% fit for next season especially given as he has signed a new contract uh, earlier on in this season uh, slightly uh, uh, a view to, to slightly longer term uh, goals I think by Bath which is always sensible because the last thing he wants to do is rush him back as perhaps we did against Wasps and, and make him, uh, make him uh, pick up a, a, another injury which, which would then uh, threaten his career uh, and moving on to the, the second uh, international back rower that's been in the news for Bath recently, and this also uh, started to, to break today, Tuesday, and that's surrounding Francois Lowe, um, and he's one of the, the many players in the Bath squad who, who hasn't got a new contract going into next season, um, but Todd Blackadder was on record today uh, with Somerset Live saying that they were pretty close uh, to agreeing a new deal uh, Tom I'll come to you first o- on this one I-, I know Francois is one of your favourite players so-, so this is fantastic news isn't it yeah it is I mean this has been going on for a while we, you know, we spoke about this um, probably a month ago and we mentioned that his contract renewal has sort of hinged on his decision um, or whether or not he's going to play Springbok, Springbok rugby um, sort of going into next season and, and beyond um, I-, I read the article that you that, that you referenced there and um, it, it said there that he still hadn't committed to do that or not. So um, maybe that's kind of what, uh, what his decision is being finalised and then he'll be offered a contract off the back of that. But um, if, he's, if he certainly is committing to, to, to play for Bath um, and not play internationals um, after, after the 2019 season, then I think it'd be a fantastic um, player to, to, to have back in the squad. You know, his, his family is settled in Bath now. Mm. He's been here for some time. We've spoken about the younger guys as well. So... Uh, no better guy to learn off than than Francois Lowe. So hopefully, um, you know, he, he he says enough's enough for international rugby um, and commits uh, sort of the next few years to, to to playing well for Bath and to bring on these young guys. Agreed, Tom. He's he's certainly a valuable player to have around the squad, so these younger guys can learn off. But he's, in my opinion, certainly going to have to agree to a, a considerable pay cut. He's obviously one of our higher paid players. He's going to be 34 come next season. Uh, he's he's definitely in the twilight of his career, certainly for a loose forward who uh, who who don't tend to play as long as as other players due to the physicality of that position. Uh, so it, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see 
what money he, he will stay on and, and, and what he's willing to do. Perhaps his future, he's happy and settled in Bath and that's going to obviously mm. contribute to it. And perhaps he does want to be around a, around a squad that I would like to say, and I'm sure we'd all agree, is on the up and hopefully he can you know, finish his career off uh, with, some, with some silverware. Yeah. Yeah, although you, although, although you say you might not have that many years left, but you know, to take a, a couple of other examples of, of other Premiership clubs, so George Smith at Bristol mm. obviously retired from from internationals and then uh, you know ha, has been pretty instrumental for them, um, and Charles Berger for Saracens, another mm. uh, Springbok back rower who um, retired from international rugby, um, and then I think was uh, pretty important for for Saracens for for the last last two seasons. So. Um, yeah, I, I think it will hinge on his decision on, on the international stuff, but um, it would be great to to see that renewal sort of come out in the news. More more positive contract news is always is always appreciated for sure. Yeah, I, I think the key with with Francois is the fact that he has been at the club for so long. I think seven or eight years now, uh, and a couple of, of contracts in that. And I think he is very settled in Bath, and I think that is the key. And and if he were to move, I I, I would only be able to I could only really envisage that to to either back home or or to a to a local um, club. Maybe maybe Bristol or, or Gloucester. Uh, so I think that is, is really key in his decision-making. And, and, and whilst he may have to take a, a slight pay cut, I completely agree with you, Tom, that, that these back these international experienced back rowers can definitely offer something uh, in the twilight of their career. You know, they really uh, start to develop the the sort of dark arts, which we've seen the likes of George Smith and Schalke Berger uh, employ so effectively in the Premiership, and I think Francois, uh, as he gets as he gets older, uh, will have to change his game as he becomes perhaps less um, less able to get more involvements, but the involvements he then gets uh, become even more uh, effective, if you know what I mean. And I think the two examples you make there, Tom, are, are really valid. Certainly, you know, as, as 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 I said, off the pitch, he will be extremely valuable, and what he can bring to the club in mm. that sense is uh, is you know, is is he can't really put a price on that. So, uh, hope, fingers crossed, he does stay around. But let's just make sure uh, it's 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 for the right price, and all parties involved are uh, are on the same page. Yeah. Francois Lowe there, someone at the definitely the, the back end of his career, but hopefully many more years to come in him. And then speaking of guys that are at the opposite end of their careers to Francois Lowe, uh, and that involves the, the Bath under-18s. Uh, and we've brought these guys up a lot, especially more recently on the podcast, guys, and, and highlighted the success they've been having. And, and another win for them at the weekend, a 19-7 victory against London Irish. Do check out the highlights, actually, on the Bath website. Uh, three really nicely worked tries uh, by, by Bath under-18s, with, with fly-half Orlando Bailey looking really, really sharp, I thought. Uh, and, and six of these players within this squad have been rewarded this week uh, by being called up um, to the to the um, England under under 18s development camp. Uh, so that's really good news, guys, and, and, and further uh, further proof that that what we're doing at the under 18 level is really paying off. Yes, yeah, certainly the academy coaches uh, under 18 and also the boys involved in under 20 levels. Uh, great to see Tom de Glanville mm. as well uh, getting a run out of the weekend. Uh, so congrats to him. But you know, full credit to those uh, those academy coaches. They're, they're certainly scouting the right talent and developing it really well. We've seen we've seen how many boys have come through. Uh, the likes of Will Vaughan and, uh, and Co being promoted to the senior academy just last week. Uh, yeah, and I, I think boys just to add, it's a it's a testament to to the quality of the coaching um, at the local schools, um, you know, around Bath and in the southwest. I think I think three or four um, of the of the boys um, that you mentioned there, G, um, are from Beach and Cliff mm. um, School, um, which obviously has you know has, has had some illustrious names um, who who have joined the senior squad in recent years. Most notably, probably 
probably Freddie Burns. So this just sort of consolidates um, that strong link between these strong um, local rugby schools and Bath Rugby. And, and hopefully, as you mentioned, Charlie, you know, once these players become ingrained from a from a young age in 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 the in the academy and in, in the way of playing at Bath. Um, we'll start to see see dividends paid um, in, in years down the line. Yeah, I think I think it was four out of the sixth from from Beach mm. and Cliff, as you mentioned, Tom. So so yeah, right to to credit the work of of the coaches there as well as the coaches um, at Bath. Uh, now then, um, as I mentioned earlier on in the podcast, the reason that, 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 that we are coming to you a day later than we normally would is because me and Charlie have had the, the pleasure of being up at Farley House today um, and we caught up with, with Bath Hooker and Bath star Tom Dunn. Uh, this is what uh, Tom had to say. Hello and welcome to Farley House where me and Charlie have come up to interview Bath Hooker Tom Dunn. Hi Tom, how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm good, thank you chaps. Uh, must be a bit of a strange sort of time for you with a couple of weeks off and, and Premiership Cup games with, with nothing running on it. You must be chomping at the bit to, to go at the weekend, especially given that it could be your, your 100th appearance for the club. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've played about 40 minutes in the last five weeks, so feeling really good, mentally recharged, physically, feel like I'm getting mm. there, if that's possible for me. Yeah, but, um, yeah no, I'm chomping a bit yeah definitely and you know 100th cap there must be you know really really special moment for you where you know, I'm sure you'll probably get your family around how's that going to be yeah no I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it it snuck up on me a bit to be fair like it, it took me a, quite a while to get to my 50 probably about 6 years and this, mm. the last 50 has gone in the last couple of years so yeah I'm really looking forward to it my mum, dad aunties the kids missus yeah. We're coming down. Oh, nice. And then thinking about the game against Newcastle, is there anything that you're you, you're focusing on in particular as a front row and as, as a forward pack that, that, that you wouldn't be focusing on, on another week? Or is it just focus on yourselves and then let that sort of deal with itself? Yeah, we always look at ourselves first. Mm. And what we do doesn't tend to change too much. But you'd be a fool not to look at them. Yeah. Um, to me, they've got Callum Green in the lineup, who's renowned for disrupting it. And he caused mm. us a nightmare up there last time. So that's something that I focused on personally. Uh, we know you've got Davy Wilson potentially in the front row, so we know a lot about him and how we can be tactful around that and get yeah. through him. Um, Might be able to get under his skin a bit, seeing as he's been around the club, he probably got a bit of a uh, Yeah, I think Ross Patty's a man for that. I think there's a couple of things you could say, but um, no, we keep it PC. Uh, and you mentioned the, the game against Newcastle early in the season, obviously a disappointing defeat. Does that, does that uh, sort of add motivation uh, to this weekend? Um, for me personally, it does, but it's about. It's just for me. It sounds real cliche. It's eight minutes, fifteen players. You got. If, we do, if I do my job and the man next to me does, and the man on the other side does their job, mm-hmm. I think we're good enough to beat them. Yeah. So you just got to park that, and then after the game, enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, touching on the pack there, uh, we spoke with Toby Booth last week, and you know, he mentioned that the pack's really changed from last season coming through to this season. There's been. You know, quite a few areas that you focused on you know you're quite a dominant pack now as you, you know, throughout the entire premiership comparing to other teams you know, what's perhaps been some main differences you've noticed uh, from last season coming through to this I feel like we've um, tightened up a bit so with what we're doing we're more direct mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's a simple game plan and if you win the collisions it's a winning game plan mm-hmm. so that you know rugby is a, for me all about collisions all about getting over the game line stopping them getting over the game line and if we achieve that as a front row, as a front five, really, it's up to everyone else to do the glittery stuff. Mm. So, yeah, you say, say for you, rugby is about winning collisions, and I kind of feel like you've gained a bit of a reputation as a, a bit of a hard man, um, putting your your body on the line. Uh, do, you think that, do you think that's fair enough, or do you think there's more to your more subtlety to your game? 
it's not uh, it's not being around the bush. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the core of my game is the collisions, like we said. Yeah. But uh, I do think my my skill set is good enough or adequate enough. Or, you know, it's not special by any means. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more than capable of doing other things on the pitch. Yeah, L- looking ahead slightly more to, towards next season briefly, Tom. And there's there's a number of new props that that Bath have signed: uh, Lewis Boyce, Christian Judge. Will Stewart. Have, have you come across any any of these guys before? And is there anyone in particular that you're you're looking to you're looking forward to packing down with, or is the focus still on, obviously on this season? I haven't really thought about it. Um, yeah, a lot of season left here, but I, I roomed with Lewis Boyce for a bit last okay. last year, so um, I know him well-ish. So yeah, it'd be good to have Boyce along. Seems like a, a nice guy, mm-hmm. but I don't know much about the two really. So you know, touched on that. You say you ruined with him. That must have been. Oh, is that England camp last year? Yeah, it uh, was. Yeah, yeah. So you know, well, it's 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 been it's been a well last Six Nations, I believe you were last involved in the in the training squad. So you you still in contact with Eddie Jones? It's obviously something. You know, from from our point of view, we think you're unlucky to have missed out uh, this this year. But you yeah. still in contact with Eddie? Um, he called me before the autumn was decided the squad and said he's not having a third choice hooker mm-hmm. and he went with two Dylan and Jamie and then um, I, had, I had a brief chat with Neil Hatley for the Six Nations and he said you've um, you slipped down to like fifth choice okay. behind Jack Singleton and Luke Cowan Dickey um, want, they want me to be more dynamic when I'm playing so when I'm ball carrying uh, change of pace onto the ball mm-hmm. and in my tackles a bit more line speed and a okay. bit more dominance in the tackle so they've spoken to me I, I know what I've got to do and now Simple as that. Yeah, that's great. And, and we, we mentioned props there, and I, th- I think you started off as a as a prop, didn't you? And it wasn't until quite recently that you you made the transition to hooker. Why why was that transition made, and what was the the hardest parts that you, you felt uh, the hardest parts that you experienced in that transition? Um, so I was Toby Booth and Neil Hatley who who put me across the hooker. Uh, I think it was 20, 2012, so maybe quite a while, seven yeah. years ago now. Yeah. Um, but basically, I played in the early league at Lucet for a couple of years and been carted about. Basically, I wasn't wasn't far big enough or strong enough to, yeah. to to enforce myself in scrums. But they liked what I was about around the park, so they they said, "Look, have a go throwing." So I did that, and then luckily that year was unfortunately for Rob Webber had a shoulder injury, Ross had a foot injury, Brett Sharman had a knee injury, yeah. Lee Mears got banned for punching for two weeks, Will <laughs> Tanner rolled his ankle, and they're like, "Right." It was Calvazano away, Bucharest at home, Calvazano home again. Yeah. They rolled me out for that and I went all right and yeah. the rest is history from there. But yeah. the, the biggest difference for me is I got to do more around the park because I had more in my legs because I yeah. wasn't a prop, I wasn't yeah. all that weight in both legs in that 90-90 position. Um, but the biggest learning has been the throwing. Yeah. Um, it was something I'd never done before and it's not as simple as just being able to hit a target. It's... Uh, the way I describe it, my, my work on and where I can get better and what I struggled to improve on for a while was so when you're playing golf and you've got your driver out, you, yeah. you've had about three minutes to decide to hit your driver or if you're putting, you've had about five minutes to get your putter out. Whereas when I'm stood there with the ball behind my head, the caller can say it's a five metre throw, a 15 metre throw, a flat throw, a shape throw and I've got to pull the right club out, yeah. fire the mm. right shot. So that's the bit that had took me a while to, to get my head around yeah. and to be good enough at to get to the 85, 90%, which is where you need to be to be a premiership hooker. And is there anyone in, in particular, maybe a, a coach or, or a fellow player, that, that you would give credit to for, for helping you with that transition, primarily with, with the throwing in, maybe maybe another hooker or, or a coach? Um, coaches, as I said, um, Toby Booth's been here for six, seven yeah. years now, maybe longer than that, actually, seven years, eight years, and he's been there the whole way through. So he's seen me develop and he's touched and, you know, 
touch bits of my technique and told it in this X, Y, and Z in the mental side of the game as well. He's helped me a lot with that. Uh, I have some terminologies like blue zone, blue room, and red room, and that's different analogies, different yeah. mindsets. Um, for a while, Simon Hardy used to come in and did a lot of throwing with us. He was fantastic for me, real technical detail. Uh, and then you had Ross Batty. He's also been here for eight years now, and he's watched me and helped me throughout the years when I'm playing against him, playing with him, training against him. He's done a lot for me as well. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you transitioned through, and then you really got your big break when Todd turned up here. So... Um, how, how's he? How's he played a big role in you in you bringing through into the club? I, I just think it was a fresh set of eyes, um, mm-hmm. and the way Todd is as a bloke, and the way he likes to play, and what he likes from his players suits me as well. Um, I'd always been the academy kid coming through. You know, the trans, I'd had that transition labelled on me, and he came in. He didn't know that. He didn't yeah. know any of this. He just saw me for Tom Dunn, the hooker, and he he prides himself on. The hard work, like he called them ZTAs when he first arrived. So the zero talented actions. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you kick, chase, you kick, you, you chase back. Working hard isn't like a selfless line in attack. You don't get the ball, yeah. but people see it. People mm-hmm. don't see it, and he does. And that kind of suits me in the way I play more yeah. than maybe a, a big ball carrying hooker or a, a skillful hooker. The, the unseen bits that he sees yeah. is my game. So I think that it just it just clicked and gave me an opportunity. Certainly. Fair enough. Should we move away slightly from, from rugby uh, now, Tom? Had a quick flip through your, your Instagram before we arrived, and, and certainly uh, your, your kids, and uh, certainly a family man. Uh, it, it, do your, going home to your kids after a tough day's training or, or a tough tough game, does that help you sort of switch off from, from rugby? Yeah, it, it does, because I can be a bit of a nose, a rugby yeah. nose, as they say. So <laughs> You're speaking to two fellow Yeah, <laughs> I'd happily sit there and watch... 35 lineups and critique every throw <laughs> or watch 30 scrums and you just physically can't do it when you've got uh, a six-month-old or yeah. seven-month-old and a, a two-year-old. So, yeah, it is good for me to get home, switch off, look after them. My other half's fantastic as well. She takes all the stress out of it, so I just get the good bits. To be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, speaking with your other half, uh, Jen, I believe her name yes. is. Yeah, she, uh, she's obviously had what, 150 caps for, for, for the Bath ladies. So must be a little bit of competition going on there. And, and surely, <laughs> surely Todd must have been in such thinking... Two young kids. That's that's boss. Uh, next generation of hooker sorted. Sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she had a great career, and I think she might go back to it at some point. But um, no, I'm going to do everything I can to keep my lad out of the front row and my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully they can use their brains. Uh, my missus has got some good brains on her, so hopefully they get that and they can. Yeah. a bit more than hit things with their head. Yeah, or, or, also believe that, I don't know where I read this, but you trained as a, as a butcher as well as uh, did some labouring before you kind of got your, your big break in rugby. Talk us through, you know, other stuff that you like to do or, or did like to do previously before rugby sort of became your, became your, your main priority. So, yeah, I, I worked when I was in, in sixth form um, in Starbucks. Yeah. There's actually yeah. a funny story about that. I can't spell barrister. <laughs> <laughs> That's another time. Um no, I did it again. On, Barrett, on that, it's that barista. I didn't want to call you out. That's how bad it is. It's a slightly uh, different, yeah. slightly different job. Yeah, my short speed just didn't like that spelling mistake. But um, <laughs> I did that, and then I um, had a gap from school, and I did a bit of labouring, um, did a bit of lead work roofing, yeah. um, and then I went to university and I worked as a barman part time just to get me through because I, I had a part time sort of gig at Bath Rugby where I trained two or three days a week, but. Didn't really get paid for it. Um, it was like a, a scholarship for my towards my university fees. So I, I worked in a bar during that time. 
And then, yeah, I believe you, didn't you change a butcher? Or yeah, yeah, that's that, recently. Yeah. So, um, Ruby and White butchers over in Bristol, then they also own the Cow Shed restaurant chain. Okay, yeah. And um, Dave Kelly, his name is. So, I've been over there. He's got, I've worked in like the, I call it a warehouse, but it's not a warehouse. It's like um, a mass production of meat shop. I don't know what you call it. Yeah. <laughs> my, my English is really kind of well. It's big, big yeah. butchers. Um, yeah. so I've worked there for a few days. You know, that's literally where you get the box, 25, box 25 chickens and you fillet them and yeah. supreme breasts and mm-hmm. etc. And I've done some bit in his shop on White Ladies Road. Um, yeah. where that's more like customer based and learning the names of the joints and the yeah. types of meat. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, I've done a fair bit there. Yeah. Is that something that you, you perhaps... Look to look to do once you've once you've retired from from rugby, or is it just more of a hobby? Uh I don't know. I'm pretty yeah. open minded at the minute. I'm I'm coaching a bit at Avonvale Rugby Club at the minute okay, locally yeah. in Bath. Um, I've just done a house renovation, so I've got I'm trying to gain some knowledge in that as well. Yeah. So I, I I'm pretty open minded about what I want to do. So I'm right. just trying to experience well, as much as I can. As a rugby player, you need you need to be eating a lot of meat anyway. So <laughs> yeah, keep 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 yourself going. I guess I guess that's a good contact to have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I guess you know finally. Uh, where can we uh, where can we you know, follow you on on social media? Where, where can we keep in, in touch with what you're getting onto uh, in, uh, in in your life? My handles, you want to know? Yeah. Well, no, no, just yeah, Instagram or uh, yeah, Twitter, my, which is the best one to my keep. probably. Oh, no, I can't I'm not I'm not great on it. I've got an Instagram, and yeah. I think my name's Tom Dunn ninety two. I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure on that, and I think it might be the same on Twitter. Tom okay. Dunn ninety two. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, thank you very much for joining us, Tom, and uh, good luck with the, with the rest of the season. Cheers, guys. Thank Cheers. Really fascinating interview there with Tom Dunn and, and thanks to him and all the guys at, at Bath Rugby for allowing us to come up and do that. Charlie, I was up there with you. What was your one big takeaway from the interview? Uh, well, what I thought was really interesting was Tom talking about uh, a hooker's challenge in throwing and that whole transition period going from being a prop to a hooker. And I, I loved his analogy using uh, mm. using golf uh, in, in that respect and saying it's much harder. Uh, you know, as a hooker, you, you're told... You've just got to pull out, pull out that, that that club and throw it straight in onto that spot that you need to you need to get it to within a matter of seconds. Whereas when you're playing golf, you've got to think about all the different angles and everything, and you've got about five minutes to think of that. As he said, uh, I thought that was you know, really really interesting. But just overall overall uh, opinion was just what a nice guy. Really enjoyed chatting to him, and uh, hopefully we get to catch up with him again soon. Yeah, extremely down to earth guy there, Tom. You unfortunately uh, weren't able to join us. Um, what was your your big Hi boys. Yeah, you've actually got a, a job and a life away from from Bath Rugby and this podcast. But but what was your big uh, takeaway? Uh, yeah, I was just sitting there stewing at, uh, at two o'clock at my desk, and I knew you boys were were, were at Barley House. I think I think Charlie hit the nail on the head there. The the transition from from prop to hooker and, and the way he spoke about it over over those years, getting the lucky break. Um, you know when there were other um, other hookers injured, and all the help that he's had from the likes of the likes of Toby Booth was. Was, was really interesting. We, we actually um, remarked the other day how impressed we were um, at the Premiership Rugby Cup game on, on that Monday night against Gloucester about how there was that fizz um, to his lineup throwing it. it. You know, it when you compared it to, to Jack Walker, who um, is obviously a lot less experienced, he was sort of looping um, the ball up and it's so much more contestable, mm. um, you know, as an opposition. And, and, you know, Tom spoke about Callum, Callum Green, um, obviously he'll be most likely lining up um, for Newcastle in the second row and um, how good he is at the line-out. So um, line-out is, line-outs are obviously going to be very, very important. Um, and I'm sure, as he says, that's something they've, they've really targeted targeted this week. But um, no, fascinating interview, that, boys. So, um, yeah, thanks for doing that. 
That's all right. Well, our pleasure. We'll do that any time. Don't you worry. Um, I, I thought for me the most most interesting part of the interview was was the way he spoke about uh, Todd Blackadder uh, uh, and the relationship that, that they've kind of built over Todd's um, Todd's time at the club. Uh, he didn't get his break, as you mentioned, Charlie. I think it was your question uh, until Blackadder arrived, uh, and he kind of had a he kind of saw it as a clean slate and his opportunity to impress. And, and he spoke about the ZTAs, which which Blackadder really values as, as something in his players. So I think that was was really interesting and 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 shows how how a new coach can can come in and, and doesn't have any sort of preconception about these players and how that can really really uh, help certain players who, who perhaps aren't getting the opportunity that, that they deserve under the, the, the previous coach. So I think that was the, the most interesting part of it. Yeah, also really, yeah. really good to see, you know, as a, as a rugby player, obviously it's a short career. You're not sure what's going to happen afterwards. Uh, you know, him, him training as a butcher is something you're doing more recently, but I'm just fascinated what kind of barrister he's going to be. <laughs> it's it's, 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 it's going to be, it's, it's a real career. <laughs> he's going to open up to himself. And uh, no, uh, so yeah, Tom, perhaps, uh, perhaps made a, a slight mistake there and shot himself in the foot but um yeah we, we had a good chuckle about that afterwards yeah great and, and thanks well, I mean, what i was gonna say boys he certainly got he certainly got a wide range of options um following retirement <laughs> in, in rugby sure. can, I, can i can i just make one other point as well that uh, you know that he was he was talking about the contact he's had with with the england setup with with eddie jones um and neil hatley and, and i thought that was fascinating because if you're going to be critical of of or slightly critical of one part of his game, I think for me that would probably have been his carrying game. I think if you look at um, the other hookers that are, are in and around that England setup, Jamie George, um, Luke Cowan-Dickey and, and Jack Singleton, the only area for me where at least the last two two of those guys probably have the edge over over Tom Dunn is in sort of in the carry in the offload. I think in terms of set piece, in terms of defence. Um, he is one of the top hookers in the country for sure. So it'll be really interesting. It was really on- honest of him to of him to say that, and and hopefully we'll see um, that that carrying game, that explosive um, power, start to come through um, in his games. And I think if he does that, um, he'll he'll start going back up back up the pecking order. And and you know if Dylan Hartley um, does sort of hang up his boots after after the World Cup. Obviously he's struggled with injuries. Then it could be that that you know Tom Dunn um, is England's number two. Um, following the World Cup and, and beyond, which would be which would be fantastic. Yeah, I think a really honest interview from from Tom Dunn, and we, and we really thank him for that. And and, and one thing that we will just uh, correct from the interview, I think Tom uh, said that his his Instagram was Tom Dunn ninety two. It's actually uh, Tom dot Dunny. So so do follow him on there and check out all things he's getting up to, both on and off the field. Although. Uh... With, with with his certainty about his uh, his social media handles, I'm not sure how much content you're going to be getting from him. <laughs> but uh, if you do want to keep up with with the content that he he may be posting uh, when he remembers his passwords, uh, that that's where to follow him. And just finally, one thing that that Tom did ask us to do is give a shout out to his mum, who I do believe listens to the podcast. So so thanks for your support, uh, and we really enjoyed chatting with your with your son. Right then, guys, um, moving on to, to, to some rugby and some actual premiership rugby to talk about and to preview. Uh, this has felt like it's been a long time coming, but Bath are back in action against Newcastle at the Rec on Saturday. Before we dive into that in detail, uh, let's just talk about the, the premiership um, more generally. Um, we currently sit in eighth position, four points off Gloucester in fourth, but also four points off Bristol in tenth. And with only 10 games left uh, in this season, we really start. We really need to start um, getting a run together, guys. And I think that starts in this key block of games, uh, whilst the Six Nations is still on. 
We obviously have Newcastle uh, at the weekend. We also then have Saints away and Quinns at home, followed by Saracens at home, which would normally be a very tough game. But with the number of internationals they have in their squad, um, they will probably be fielding a slightly weaker team. And that will give us a chance to, 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 to maybe turn them over. So a really key block of four games and obviously a key block of, of ten games if we're going to have the last two games and maybe see a Falatau return, as you mentioned, Tom. Uh, Tom, just, just talk us through your, your expectations uh, uh, and, uh, with the, uh, for the upcoming ten Premiership games and, and maybe focusing on those four that I mentioned. Yeah, well, so as you mentioned, it's sort of it is a massively important block. This you mentioned the Six Nations. We do have injuries, but um, as we said, we don't have uh, players involved in the Six Nations. Even um, you know the start of the next block of games. Uh, you know the first game is Exeter away. That will be the week after round five of the Six Nations. So you'd you'd probably expect that um, the extra internationals will be given sort of that week off. Um, following the, the the Six Nations, obviously. So this is a real opportunity for me to try and pick off maybe some of the weaker sides um, over the next couple of weeks. Newcastle at home, for example, as we'll talk about, have really struggled after such a strong season um, last season. They look a bit of a shadow of of, of their former selves. So that is a that's a really important game to to get a good win um, and get a bit of a bit of momentum. The other thing I was I was just going to mention, um, sort of looking at the table, is just around bonus points. Um, mm. So it's something that we've really struggled with, and we've we've said this a couple of times. We've only got two, um, four try bonus points and two losing bonus points. Um, and I, I, I ran a few numbers just across um, the table more generally, and the average team has got six point five bonus points, but uh, both winning and losing bonus points. We're eleventh. We're in eleventh place. Um, with those four bonus wow. points, only only Sale have fewer, and it's something we've really we've we've really struggled with clearly. And when the table's so congested, just getting these losing bonus points here and there, and the four try bonus points when you are on top, are so critical to to where you ultimately end up in and end up at the end of the season. So for me, there are going to be tough games along uh, along the way. I think um, we're normally blindly optimistic, but I don't think even we will predict that we're going to win um, the next. Uh, 10 games on the bounce but I think it's so important that when we're involved in close games that we do get that those losing bonus points if we end up on on the losing side and mm. when we do have dominance that we do get those four tries because I think that those bonus points come the end of the season are going to be critical to where ultimately we end up yeah certainly I'd, I'd agree with you Tom uh Bonus points are going to come so valuable in this in this close up to the season. Uh, and on that, you're saying that we're down in in eleventh place in terms of in terms of bonus points uh, awarded. Uh, it makes those two draws that we've had this season almost seem like losses because uh, we we've fallen behind the other teams who have got bonus points. So even when we haven't lost, it's 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 really taken away those extra points from us in the, in those terms. Yeah, I think bonus points is something that we've spoken about and something that, that is going to be absolutely crucial, as you mentioned, Tom, especially uh, against the, the teams that are slightly weaker. We really need to kill them kill them off when we get the opportunity and get the four tries because, uh, as you say, uh, they're absolutely, absolutely crucial. Uh, let, let's look a little bit more in depth now about the upcoming Newcastle game and, and a terrible performance in the return fixture at Kingston Park. And Newcastle also turned us over at the wreck 32-33 last season. So, so a bit of a run of a poor, a few poor performances against Newcastle, Chartley. However, uh, this looks like a, a real winnable game for Bath, doesn't it? 
Yeah, uh, completely, especially coming off uh, Newcastle were in action uh, this weekend, just gone. Uh, and they ended up losing 59-33 to Northampton in the Premiership Cup. Uh, but just to put some light onto that, uh, at half-time, they were leading 28-21. So to, to, to get absolutely destroyed like that uh, in a second half, I think... Uh, I think um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Who was he? The Newcastle coaches. It's just gone from Richards. my head. Dean Richards. Dean Richards. That's Richards. the one. Uh, he said that they just simply weren't fit enough. Apparently, so uh, that's 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 quite a <laughs> shock for a Newcastle team that's had a bit of downtime and is really looking forward to target this uh, this, this this Premiership patch. Obviously, sat at the bottom of the table. This is a game we should really really look. To, uh, no, no, let's try and run them off that feet, off their feet, if that's what they're saying. And no, they, they, they were without. I, I imagine they're without. Or I imagine he won't be released. Uh, their their workhorse in Mark Wilson, who is mm. so reliable to that Newcastle team. Uh, so I hope that our pack will be able to uh, we'll be able to really tire them out. And we're going to have a really strong team out this weekend, aren't, aren't we, guys? Yeah. We've got. Uh, it's, it's likely that you know, Joe Thokonasiga, who who wasn't in action, we saw him sprinting at Twickenham, but uh, obviously that extra man, he's going to be back involved, I imagine. Uh, Rory McConaughey should be back fit. Uh, we're likely to have Rocco Guni on the other wing. Then that 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 we still didn't haven't decided. Is it is it Rosif or or, or, or Joberts <laughs> in the midfield? So it really does look exciting backline as well, and hopefully we can tear them to shreds. Yeah, I think the bar team is going to be really strong, and then another guy that should be back fit. Fingers crossed is Nathan Cat, who, who we've spoken about a number of times about his importance on the loose head side and, and Charteris back in the second row, uh, giving us a little bit of depth, especially uh, if they if they want to move Stuke to the back row. And the back row is probably the one area of, of perhaps weakness for Bath uh, this week, Tom, given the number of injuries. Who do you expect to, to line up in the back row? And, and do you see that as a, as a pivotal sort of area of the game? Oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I think weakness is potentially potentially the wrong word. I think we've got such strength and depth in that position. Um, I think it basically just gives these guys who who probably wouldn't um, usually get an opportunity an opportunity to to show how how good they are. Um, I would say as well um, on the Newcastle side, you mentioned Mark Wilson who who won't be available, and I know that Gary Graham um, has been featuring on the bench um, for Scotland um, in at least one game in the Six Nations. So. Um, I'm not sure if if he'll be available um, for them after. So I'd expect us to have to have the edge um, edge in the back row. But it, it's interesting looking at looking at Newcastle really, especially when you when you compare them to last season because they were so dangerous last season. You know, Sonotti was um, w- w- was at his very best. Veroniki Gonova was obviously player of the season last season. And then you look at them this season, and they've scored the fewest tries out of any team in the Premiership, which is very. very I was very sort of surprised to see that given their the, the firepower they have disappointed out wide too their of play. Um, they just yeah they, they just really seem to, to have gone off the boil and Charlie for you to say that um, Dean Richards is complaining that, that, that they're not fit after after a rest uh, you know a rest period and then you've got you've got Tom Dunn um, on the interview there just saying how how good he is feeling physically and how ready he is to be to be back um, you know back back at, the, at full intensity playing um, I think if they come with that attitude it's going to be it's going to be a really uh, a, a really tough game for them yeah and it's it's a long way for them to come as well so uh, uh, we, we saw how badly how badly uh, Bath travelled all the way up to Newcastle but uh, what I thought was interesting as well linking back to the Tom Dunn interview uh, 
it's obviously going to be a big point and it has been a, a real area of inconsistency for us. And I said it is a work area we we would really like to work on in this downtime uh, is our line out and him highlighting Callum Green as a, as a real threat at line out. Uh, that's 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 going to be it's going to be an area where you know the game could perhaps be won or lost uh, for for both sides. Uh, so I think that's going to be a really interesting area. So the, that hooker selection, obviously the teams aren't out. Uh, we we expect Tom Dunn to make his hundredth appearance, uh, starting for for the club. But that's that's going to be you know a, a real focal point of the game. I think. Yeah, I think the the lineout is going to be absolutely key, Charlie. That was the area I, I highlighted as well when looking at this game. Uh, let's 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 make some predictions then, guys, uh, before we wrap up uh, this podcast. And and I'll kick us off, and I'm going to go with a Bath win. And I I think this is a massive opportunity. Uh, for Bath to, to get the win. Uh, Newcastle have only got one win in all competitions since December the 1st. They're without their main man, as you mentioned, Mark Wilson, Charlie. And I think with Bath getting players back fit, uh, really focusing, this game has been circled in the calendar for some time now as a real opportunity to, to make a statement and, and get four tries uh, and, and kick off what is a key block in the right way. So I'm going to go with a Bath win and I think it's going to be quite comfortable. Uh, Bath by 15. Uh, Tom, what do you reckon? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, well, I'm I'm very wary to um, to make a, a you know a, a positive prediction um, because it always seems to end up in, in in disappointment when we don't quite perform. But I just get the feeling that we we built some good momentum um, over this sort of fallow period. Um, but we've also allowed sort of the top players that've been involved in a lot of the the, the tougher games um, so far this season. Um, to, to get the rest that they need, so that hopefully they'll be they'll be fit and firing, coming back into a training environment where the younger guys are buoyed by you know the wins, the recent wins in the Premiership Rugby Cup. Newcastle, as you said, Charlie. On the other hand, um, it sounds like they've they, they've struggled um, with fitness, and they've certainly struggled against Northampton um, at the weekend. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll be at the game. So massively looking forward to it, and I really hope that um, if we do have that early dominance, um, that we can turn that into a good win. Um, and get the bonus point, so which which I think we will do. So I'm going to go Bath by um, 18 and and to take the take all five points. Yeah, well, uh, I think it's going to be a, another full house. Who would have thought it? <laughs> uh, I also think oh, Bath can really make the most of this opportunity of, of a, you know, a Newcastle sign that's come off the back of a handful of defeats. They're not going very well. Um, and I, I think with with that back line that I mentioned earlier, it's it, it, we we should really be able to put some tries past them. We we saw the the fifty two to nil you know, drubbing that we gave uh, the, the, that Gloucester that Gloucester well second team really uh, last week. So I uh, hopefully we can we can toss up a similar a, a similar score tally. But also uh, being up at Farley House earlier, and I'll just mention Tom Dunn again. Uh, he mentioned sadly off air. You didn't didn't hear this, but. Uh, lots of these players uh, in the Bath squad they're not only playing for contracts they're not only uh, playing for the, the, this, this, this hot period coming up and they're not only playing for top four as it's been, you know, people you know, there's, there's retirements coming around this way people are trying to you know, break their way into that squad to try and, try and really cement themselves they want to be involved in those games if we do make it into the top four those knockouts that's, that's, that's the pinnacle of people's mm. club careers 
so there, there's a lot to be played for at the moment and uh, he said there's a real buzz around the squad and everyone's itching to get going yeah I, I think he spoke about uh, just quickly Charlie on that I think he spoke about his his sort of um, admiration for for admiration is probably the wrong word but his respect for Toby Booth as a coach and it is obviously Toby's last season so I think there was a real air of, of wanting to do some something for, for not only the coaches that are leaving but also for the, for the players that are leaving and, and there are only 10 games left and there are a number of guys that are coming fit now so all the players want to be playing in these next 10 games uh, so so really uh, really uh, I think they'll be fired up for it and and, the, and, and perform well on on Saturday uh, that just about uh, does it for this podcast guys um, thank you very much for listening again uh, do please follow us on on Twitter I uh, on Twitter Instagram and Facebook and do uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and if you can uh, leave us a nice review and tell your mates about the bath rugby plug um, because we all we can do is use you guys to to spread the word about this podcast thank you very much for listening we'll be back to review that newcastle game and talk all things blue black and white next monday in your feeds for next tuesday thanks for joining me tom cheers mate and thanks charlie cheers everybody